How many of you were awake when dawn broke this morning? Anyone? Okay, a few of you. Uh, How many of you wanted to be awake when the dawn broke this morning? Okay, maybe not quite as many. To me, the, the dawn is the best part of the day. Sometimes I don't feel like greeting the dawn, but the dawn greets me. And that is uh, the way it is sometimes. Sometimes uh, we like the sunset much better than the dawn, right? And you may be more of a sunset person. You like to see the day ending. You like to see the beauty of the, the colors that are out in the clouds or in the sky as the sun goes down over the horizon. But for me, it is the morning. I love the dawn. And especially if I am not able to sleep at night and I am stirring around and I'm thinking, when is the day going to start? And you look outside the windows and it's dark. You can't really see anything. The, you know there are trees out there, but you can't see them. You know that uh, there is beauty maybe out in the yard and you can't see it. Nothing is really stirring around or going on. But then all of a sudden, the light of the dawn breaks and you begin to notice some things. You, you hear the birds that are singing. Uh, you see, at least if you're in my yard, you see a family of squirrels that are up to no good out there, but they're stirring around and probably saying to themselves, wow, it's dawn. Uh, Let's go and chew on some wires in the Henson's attic, or let's go destroy something. Uh, Who knows what they're talking about? And then I notice that there are people that begin moving around. There are people who start walking their dogs, or their dogs start walking them. And there's all kinds of movement that is going on. And you begin to look at the sky and you see that it is full of clouds or maybe like this morning, it's full of rain. As you look outside, you begin to experience the beauty of the dawn. I like the dawn much better than I like the night. Because sometimes at night you wonder about things, right? You wonder about life. You wonder about things that don't really stand up to reason. You, you worry or you fear. Uh, Longfellow said, the nearer the dawn, the darker the night. And I have found that to be true. Right before the dawn breaks, it is extremely dark. And so the greeting of the dawn is even more beautiful. We hear in our text this morning, at least these two that we have heard from, in Isaiah chapter 9, but also in Matthew's gospel in this fourth chapter, we find out what happens after the light of the dawn breaks. It's not just about darkness, and we, we heard a lot about darkness during Advent, didn't we? You probably thought that's all he talked about was darkness and darkness and, and, and captivity and all the problems that go along with being in the dark or being in exile. And then we got to Christmas and we talked about the light and we lit the Christ candle and we talked about how Jesus is the light of the world and bringing us this light of the world that the light of dawn has broken into our existence. And so then we get to this point of epiphany where light is shining all around us. And Bill picks songs like Shine On Me that remind us of the radiance of the light. And we could be excited about that light. But what is it that we see now that the light is on? What is it that we are to do with all of this light? Well, Matthew describes for us some things that that we find now that the lights are on. We see some things that maybe we forgot that, that were there. We see some things that we've been hoping for while we were in the dark. So there's a lot that is there. 
And Matthew helps us to understand it's not only about seeing, but it's also about hearing. If you look back in your gospel text, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles on the pew rack that are there. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at this again. The first thing that we experience here is hearing the good news. And this is what Matthew describes is going on as Jesus goes into Galilee. Uh, he has been baptized. He has started His ministry. Uh, he has already gone and delivered His sermon. He's, he's, he's launched out in, in His ministry. And as He begins His ministry, He's calling other people into ministry. But as He goes uh, through this, this new land, which also, if you look in Isaiah that we heard earlier this morning, uh, it is this prophecy about this land of Zebulun, this land of, of Naphtali, where Jesus, uh, where the Messiah would show up and begin proclaiming good news. And so that's what Jesus does. He goes and proclaims the good news. That all their worries, all their fears, all their dreams were being taken care of now that Jesus was on the scene. And He was not only doing, I mean saying good news, He was doing it. The last verse we heard that was read, verse 23, uh, is Matthew's description that Jesus, He went on, He continued doing this. He would go from town to town in Galilee proclaiming the good news, but He was doing something with that news. He was not only telling people that they would be well, not only telling people that their illnesses would be cured, He was curing their diseases. He was touching eyes and ears and limbs. He was touching people where they were hurting and providing healing and curing them from all of their illnesses. So this was good news in action. This is what he was doing. A couple of you, uh, several Sundays ago, mentioned to me, uh, you recommended a show to me, and uh, sometimes shows that you recommend to me I can't repeat uh, from the pulpit. And I won't go into any detail on that, but this one, I thought, okay, this sounds safe enough. I will check it out. And it is uh, Messiah on Netflix. And for the two of you who recommended that to me, uh, I, I'm glad that you did. Uh, I watched the first two episodes in season one of Messiah. If you haven't watched this, uh, and if you're not on Netflix, uh, I think you can, you can easily find it. But it is, it is the... the uh, um, the idea of the, the show is what would happen if a Messiah or the Messiah showed up in our modern times, showed up in the Middle East and began doing things that you would expect a Messiah to do. And I'm not going to spoil how all this goes. In fact, I've only watched two of them. But in the first one, uh, you see that the, this guy that looks like Jesus, by the way, Looks a little bit more like Jesus than our Dutch painters tend to uh, paint him as pasty white. But he shows up in the Middle East, and for the uh, and there in Jerusalem, for those who are Muslim, uh, they begin to hear him talk, uh, speak in words of the Quran, and they begin to think about for them: Is this uh, Isa? Is this their Messiah? And for the Jews, they are hearing certain words that are familiar to them, and uh, words that would sound like one who was coming as a Messiah. There is a lot that's going on there in Jerusalem. And, and uh, of course, we know that happens every day. Um, and as these people are gathering around this, this particular guy, 
He is speaking prophetic words and he is acting a lot like what we would hear Jesus do in the Gospels. And he is saying things that resonate with them that sound to them like good news. In one particular scene, uh, the Syrian forces are gathering there on the border and they are getting ready to send missiles and they have tanks up on the ledges there and they are getting ready to start firing into the city. And then the cameras go to this would-be Messiah there who is standing in front of people and he is proclaiming to them words to help them with their anxieties, to not fear the missiles or fear the armies that were coming around them, that God was going to take care of them. And then all of a sudden this sandstorm comes in as often happens there or if you are Ever out in West Texas, the same kind of thing happens where the sand, a wall of sand just starts coming in and it starts covering up the city. And in the midst of all of this, this guy stands in front of the people who are scared and going different directions, proclaiming to them words that are to be good news for them. As I watched that, it made me think, and I don't know how this turns out, and I don't know that I should even recommend the show to you, but... I started to get the feel of what it would have been like to be there when Jesus was saying the words that He said, the words that are recorded for us here in the Gospels, the words that were intended to be good news for the people. The people who had been oppressed, the people that had been marginalized, the people who had been pushed down, the people who were living in captivity. To say to them, God is about to do something good right here in your midst. You have no reason to fear. What you see as oppression is getting ready to flip and you're going to see victory. Whereas you feel like you are in slavery, you are getting ready to be freed. For those of you who are sick, you are going to be made well. For those of you who are at the end of the line, you're getting ready to be at the front of the line. God is getting ready to reverse things. And that is good news. And so as we hear today in Matthew's Gospel, we hear a Jesus who is going about and proclaiming good news. And what we ought to do is imagine ourselves as being there to hear it. Because you are here this morning to hear those very same words. And they come to you and me in the midst of our context here this morning. And we are definitely in need for good news, are we not? We uh, just in this past week of news, if you look, you'll see that maybe your favorite sports team uh, is in trouble for cheating. For those who uh, have regarded particular uh, sports individuals or teams as being heroes or heroines, we have found that uh, cheating is very much alive and well in our sports world. Not to hit too much on the Astros, uh, certainly it happens in all of our sports teams, but. Uh, This has been devastating for those who love the sport and love the fact that it is America's sport and team. But also we know about killing and war and cheating and climate disaster and racism. And I'm not just talking about what happens in Washington, D.C., although I am. We also know that the coronavirus is uh, spreading around the world. People are dying because of this disease. We know of all of the troubles and all of the, the suffering that exists around the world. 
And we certainly know of those things that happen in our own lives as well. And we wonder, where is the good news? We are people who need to hear the good news. But I wonder, are we listening? If I were back in that crowd when the soldiers were coming or when the storm was blowing in, I'm thinking I probably would have been one of those that cut loose and went to look for shelter. That I would run in fear for my life and go and find a place to hide. I'm not sure that I would have really been listening to those words of good news. And yet God speaks them to us right in the midst of our darkness, right in the midst of the storms of our lives to say, here's some good news. And I know you don't see a lot of good news around you, but but know that God is at work here in our midst and that God is doing something new. The light of the dawn is breaking and it is here for us. But something else that happens when the light breaks is that we hear his call to repentance. And this is one of those words we don't like to hear. We like to hear the, the, the words good news, but we don't really like that word repentance. And repentance means change. And when it is used here, the way Matthew is using it, as he is reporting how Jesus is saying it, it, is, it has less to do with morality. We always think about repentance as, I need to turn from my personal sins. And that's true. You and I do need to do that. But what he is saying here is repentance is changing one's mind. It is changing your thinking. It is adjusting your thinking to how Jesus thinks and how Jesus wants us to think. And so Jesus went around proclaiming that everybody ought to change their minds because they were thinking something completely different than what God wanted them to think. And as we look at what they were thinking about the Roman government, as we look at what they were thinking about how to deal with their enemies, as they were thinking about their future and what that would look like, they were thinking all incorrectly. Jesus said, listen to what God has given me to say to you. Listen to how you ought to change your view about God. That God loves you. That God is a God of mercy and compassion. God is a God of justice. And God will do what God has wanted to do in our world. If you will just trust in God and be patient. I love this quote from Bob Dylan. Uh, I put it in the bulletin this week. Um, Jesus tapped me on the shoulder and said, Bob, why are you resisting me? I said, I'm not resisting you. He said, you going to follow me? I said, I've never thought about that before. He said, when you're not following me, you're resisting me. When you're not following me, when you're not changing your mind, you're actually resisting me. I wonder how often are we guilty of resisting what God wants us to change in our lives? to change our minds, to change our actions, to change our ways of doing things. In the light of the dawn that Jesus gives to us, we hear these words from Him to change. I wonder, have we allowed Jesus to change our minds about God? As we're going through this study on Wednesdays um, that is called Reconstructing the Gospel 
Um, it is uh, the story of understanding slaveholder religion and how it differs from the gospel that Jesus proclaimed. And the stories about a, a white Southern Baptist, or he grows up Southern Baptist, and finds that he is torn in two because the gospel that he grew up believing and hearing was vastly different than what Jesus proclaimed as the gospel. And he begins to wonder about what it is that he ought to believe. Sometimes we need to change our view to be in line with Jesus. What does that look like in your life? As we look across the, the land in, in the, uh, on the uh, horizon of American Christianity, I think it is easy for us to see that there is so much about the gospel of Jesus that we have gotten wrong. Or if we've gotten it right, our actions certainly do not show it in how we treat one another, in the things that we say to one another, the kinds of things that we, we do to people in our community or the kinds of things that we don't do for people in our community. It comes down to changing our minds about God. Jesus does that for us. Jesus says, if your view of God does not match with what you see in me and what you hear from me, then you need to repent. You need to change and get in line with what God has been saying all along. And that is not always easy for us to do. Finally, we hear His call to join Him. When the light of dawn breaks around us, when Jesus shines that light of epiphany upon us, we hear His call to come and to join Him. This is what happened with Andrew and Simon and, and, uh, and uh, John and James. We see that they're out there fishing. I mean, this is their profession. They, I'm sure throughout their family history, this had always been done. They would go out and they would fish. And we certainly see that with James and John, these sons of, of Zebedee, as they are out uh, fishing. Uh, notice how the dad doesn't... He doesn't uh, respond, right? This call goes to James and to John. I always wonder, what about the dad? I wonder if he's thinking, what's going on here? You're taking my boys. You're, you're taking away my future. These guys, I've been teaching them to fish. And then here comes this Messiah. And he's saying all these powerful words. And then he sees his sons dropping their nets. And following him. Maybe it was just a real bad fishing day. Or maybe the words that Jesus used to call them were those they could not ignore. Come and follow me. I've got something for you to do. I know you've been fishing for fish, but we're going to go fish for people. We're going to go do some things that are going to change the world. And the same thing took place with Simon and Andrew. They were called. That's the word that's used there. They were called. They were invited. They were compelled to come and to follow Jesus. I remember when I heard the call. I remember what it felt like. And it's, it's that feeling of dawn breaking that all of a sudden there's this light. And all of a sudden you can hear things that you haven't heard before. And you can see things about the world that you haven't seen before. I remember that light in my life. When I was 13 years old and I was at Moe Ranch, which is real close to where our youth go to camp down in Kerrville, Texas. And I remember being there and, and being called to ministry. I had no idea really what that was all about. 
And I had grown up for those 13 years in the church. I had had incredible Sunday school teachers and pastors and parents and people who were around me who, who helped me understand what it meant to follow Jesus. And I remember being in that room in worship when I felt God calling me to go forward and, and to tell my youth minister about what God was saying to me. I really didn't know what that would be like. And, and I would later, fast forward later into my years in college, I remember when I was walking down the street one day, just really toying with what God wanted to do with my life. And I remember uh, I went to school in Nacogdoches at Stephen F. Austin, and uh, who beat Duke, by the way, if you remember. <laughs> but I remember going down the, uh, the, the downtown and I remember looking and there was a particular ministry that was feeding the poor and helping, uh, feeding the hungry and helping the poor. And I remember looking at that, wondering what it was that they were doing in there. And I remember going and getting some information about it. And there was just something that, that touched my heart and said, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go and give good news to the poor of the world and to the hungry. And I just remember wrestling with that. God, what? What are you telling me? What is this I'm supposed to do? It's that same phrase, come and follow. Whatever it is that you're doing, drop it and come and follow me. And as I think about what it means to hear the call of God to follow, I realize that for most of you, it doesn't come in the form of ministerial, of a call to ministerial uh, a vocation, right? That, that uh, maybe you're fearing, oh no, God's going to call me to do what He called Him to do. <laughs> but I think it is that God calls all of us uniquely to do what we're doing. And so if you're a teacher, God calls you to do what Jesus wants you to do as you teach. Uh, if you are involved in business, Jesus says, come and follow me. Whatever you're doing, you're fishing, but I'm going to include you in doing some things that are going to fish for people that you're going to be able to use the gifts and the talents and abilities I've given you to make a radical difference in the business world. Or if you are involved in, in helping people uh, do whatever it is that, that they're doing in life, that God says you can do that through the power that I give you. You can be involved in the good news, the proclamation of it in their lives, wherever it is that you happen to go. In your neighborhood, in your school, in your relationships, in your family, that you would hear God's call to say, come and to follow. What does that look like for us as a church? How are we called as a church? We've heard some of the stories here today that we are called to make a difference and God has given us a place to do that right here. And He's given us a neighborhood to do that in right here. Come and follow me. We've had lots of imagery of darkness to dawn here in the last several weeks. And we realize now the light of dawn has come. And so what will we do with our new day? Venus Williams said, If the sun comes up, I have a chance. Especially in terms of tennis. <laughs> if the sun comes up, I have a chance to win. I have a new day. I have a new opportunity if the sun comes up. How true that is for us as we recognize our new day. Now that you and I have a chance to hear the good news. 
you and I have a chance to change. You and I have a chance to come and to follow.